This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. figure out who stole all my torches and pitchforks this is behind the bots the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind battle bots i'm chris i'm Lindsay, and i'm and today on the podcast our interview with aaron hill ginger schmidt and alex grant captains of blip and tantrum we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of robots around the world if you like our show please rate and review us on apple Podcasts, google play Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics news. I have one news item for you today. BattleBots will consider refining its rules around controlled movement following confusion during the Witch Doctor versus Minotaur fight. That's from BattleBots head referee John Remar, who published a statement online this week. He writes, quote, Sometimes we get the rules right. And sometimes we don't, but we always do our best to make them fair and reasonable. The teams behind Witch Doctor and Minotaur both put out statements of their own after the match, with Witch Doctor saying they believed a countout was imminent, and Minotaur calling for rule changes in the offseason. I'd love to get a pause here, because, I mean, it's the big, kind of, the controversy of the season. Um, Chris, Kyle, Lindsay, your thoughts on the Minotaur-Witch Doctor fight? Um... Maybe chronologically, you know, did you find it controversial when you were watching it? And then um, when we got all of the uh, post-episode context, uh, I guess your your thoughts on on the on the fight. I can tell you where I'm coming from. the 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 Minotaur Witch Doctor fight was the Will Smith slap of combat robotics, where it was like, I feel like it just this explosive moment in time that I immediately, within hours, became so sick of listening to, to people's opinions about that I, I, like, I, I, would, I would consider never watching the sport again. I, I don't even know how to describe my feelings about the matter because I don't know what I even saw. I know that the uh, the things that were presented to me in BattleBots, the television show, were, were not necessarily the way that they actually played out in real life. I could go and I could I could snoop the the Galatelys social media and get their take on the thing. I could go to the Minotaur team social media. I can get their view of the thing. I could go to you know see what people's opinions were that were sitting in the in the uh, in the in the seats in the stands. I could hear what other builders' opinions are. I could I could. I could go into combat war, uh, combat floor, floor posting and probably lose my mind because those people are crazy. I, I, I just 
don't care at this point because I don't think that there's a real uh, avenue to find truth in the matter. The whole thing is just kind of screwed up. And I'm really upset as a fan. And I'm not upset with the teams. I'm not upset with the builders. I'm not upset with the judges. I'm not upset with with anyone. I just I'm just kind of upset with what decisions were made on the production side that let that make its way to uh, to the Discovery Channel. And um, I'm upset that there were you know builders and people who might have been marginalized and now have to like deal with the repercussions of an increasingly more and more toxic community that we once championed as like the greatest community. It parts of the community are changing. And um, I think that this was the, uh, the kind of catalyst that really showed that, uh, that this community is changing. And I, and, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't really know how to articulate my feelings about the matter here. Here's the thing. It's like, I don't think that there's any room, and this is this is for outside of combat robotics too. I don't think that there should be room for trolls anymore. Like it's not cool. Like, and and I'm not saying that. I'm not want to be like a like a stick in the mud or here or anything. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think that um, uh, you you can you can kind of joke with someone. You can have fun with someone, but then there's like there's this trolling that really scratches the surface of hate and just being a jerk. And um, you're now kind of distancing yourself from, you know, being a part of the joke and like, and actually having fun with it and literally attacking someone. And so I think everyone needs to just chill out. And I think people need to kind of stop enabling the voices that are really turning the conversations toxic uh, because screw that and screw those people. I like, I, and I don't care. I, I honestly don't care how they feel about that. Um, we all just need to reset and it's time to recalibrate and focus on the things that were really important about this, uh, this episode and this season. Um, the first thing that we should be talking about is Tantrum and their absolutely incredible season. You know, they followed a Cinderella season last year and like, it was in the cards for them, but people didn't really see it. And they pulled it out with just incredible engineering and an incredibly resilient bot. And, you know, we should be, we should be spending our time talking about them, but instead we are, we're going, we're going to, we're going to have to break this down in, in a million different ways that other people have already broke it down. I mean, listen, I understand that you are, you're, you're fed up with the controversies, the slap, you know, is this is our slap, but I mean, I, I would say for me, I was disappointed that the show itself didn't provide the context for people to have a complete view. Like, I think if you did not know that John Remar put out a statement, <clears throat> if you didn't follow Witch Doctor on Facebook, if you didn't follow Minotaur, you just watched the show. It seemed like there was favoritism from the show because they unstick they unstuck Witch Doctor and you hadn't seen that at all on camera at any other point in the season. They didn't have to do that. That was an editing choice because like they could have easily gone in there, unstuck them, and then continue to to run it just as if Witch Doctor had run into the uh, the shelf and then backed up, right? I mean, but they chose to show the unstick. They didn't say on the broadcast, hey, listen, we unstick people all the time, but we're going to show you this one, you know? Um, and they didn't they didn't show 
John Remar's audio saying like, hey, listen, the, the count out's coming, just, you know, hang back. Right. And there was no talk of like, you know, if you if you engage Minotaur, <clears throat> that resets the count out. Um, so it really made Witch Doctor look bad, like when you watch it on TV. And I don't know how many real kind of trolling fans there are. Maybe it's a thousand, maybe it's four thousand. But I mean, like the ice road trucking mouth breathers, you know, like they're very loud online and it really makes it sound like, you know, people are upset about it. I saw no controversy at all in this match. I will debate anybody who would like to, you know, uh, private message us on a, on a, on our Facebook page. And I will, I will break down with you. If you really disagree, I think Witch doctor did everything that they had to do in that fight. I I'll defend it, you know, till my, till my dying breath. Um, and it's there's such a double standard too. I mean, like um, we saw literally two fights before that. Sawblaze tip Riptide up on its side and didn't go in to save them or start like keep the match going. You don't keep the match going when you're in the finals. Like you allow your opponent to die, um, and not a single person said Jameson Go's decision was unsportsmanlike, but like they just rained down hate on on Witch Doctor, which yep. is kind of odd and perhaps sexist and a little misogynistic and horrible. So there's that. I don't, I think you can get rid of the perhaps in that statement, Luke. I think that that's pretty much what we saw. Um, here's the mistakes in, it's very interesting. Last year was the year of the judges. Oh God, the judges. Oh God, the judging decisions, right? This year is the year of the refs, man. What's going on with the refs? Um, and I think it's the first year we've really seen that if there is controversy to be had in this episode, and I understand people disagreeing with judges decisions. I say, go read the judges guidelines and by those judges guidelines, literally every match in this episode was called correctly. The judges have been better this season than they have any other season in the past. The new matrix is working well. I hope they keep adjusting it, but I hope they keep going down this path because it's actually working quite well. Um, but if you actually read the rule book here and look at some of the refing decisions, there are some issues. And I know that that is a hard job. I know it's especially a hard job when you get to the finals. Um, but one of the rules as read is if a robot is stuck on an unmoving part of the arena, including the spike strips, it even says in there the spike strips around the upper deck, um, then after 20 seconds of them being stuck, they are allowed to call, or the ref is allowed to pause the match and call for an unstick. Now, the refs called it after 10.4, 10.5 seconds. I timed it last time I watched it. I know a lot of other people have too. Um, and that was too early. They really should have waited the full 20 and maybe Minotaur would have hit the back of them. Maybe it would have dislodged them. Maybe it would have disabled them. We don't know. That's the biggest problem. And I feel like that is why people have the most emotions about this match because that refing call actually could have changed the outcome of the match. We don't know how it could have gone if Minotaur was allowed to make that hit they were about to make, imminently going to make, um, before that unstick was called. Now, refs are humans. Refs make mistakes. Um, literally happens in football all the time, happens in baseball all the time. It is what it is. And, you know, it's, it's a part of the game, that human element. 
Um, it just stinks in this particular case because there is that question there. The match could have gone differently if the rules were followed to a T in that particular regard, and that is unfortunate. Um, aside from that, there's also the inconsistency issue when it comes to uh, translational movement. I know a lot of folks were upset that Minotaur was not counted out um, because they were crab walking. And earlier in the season, we've seen bots like Ribot get counted out for crab walking. And um, that I think is a, too subjective. And I know that there's a lot of talk right now about adjusting that rule and changing it or in a lot of ways doing away with it. That's what I've heard from some of the production people and some people kind of close to it. Um, what they want to do is perhaps get rid of it entirely. And if your bot's moving, that means you still want to fight and we'll let the fight continue. If your bot's not moving, it's not moving. Uh, I think that makes more sense um, in a lot of ways. I, I'm interested to see how that actually translates to TV, but we'll see how that goes. Um, aside from that, though, man, let's go ahead. I mean, I know you said let's you know give Tantrum their due. They did a great job this season. Of course they did. Like, Talk about a Cinderella story. Talk about a bot that literally started flipping burger, started as a burger flipper. I love that meme, by the way. It's so funny. Um, but Witch Doctor had a great season. They fought Endgame in an absolute banger of a match. It was really good. Endgame defeated them, but they did a really good job. Okay, sure, they had some, uh, let's just say, less than optimal opponents. Um, but that's just kind of the the like what bots are ready when situation of battle bots, right? That's not even necessarily people trying to give them cupcake matches. That's like this bot's ready to go. Let's put them in there with them. And then next thing you know, in the final, they're out there defeating Sawblaze, who beat them last year in the round of what was it, sixteen? So, um, and they beat beat them in what thirty five seconds in that match? Like great match. Outdrove Jameson Go, not an easy thing to do. Absolutely amazing season for them. So impressed with everything they were able to pull off. And that fight with, with Minotaur was amazing. It was such a banger of a match. It was so well done. Mike did a great job driving. Um, of course, Steve, Daniel Freitas did a great job driving. But yeah, Minotaur, like Witch Doctor had a great season. And I, it feels bad that so much of this controversy is taking away from that. And so much of the editing of the show is taking away from that. Like, we really should have gotten some audio, I think, of the refs telling them the countout's coming. You got to wait for the countout. That would have been just as much drama um, in that final of one ref saying there's going to be a countout, one ref saying, no, there's no countout. Like, that back and forth could have been how they edited that episode, and it would have made both teams look fine. They would have both come out of it well. Um, but that is not the choice that. Um, that the production decided to go with. And that's, that's too bad. That's really too bad. Yeah. I, I think like that's the biggest thing that came out of this episode for me or, or one of the biggest ones was just how disappointing, disappointed I was in production for kind of leaving witch doctor, you know, hung out to dry. Um, they really edited the match and the episode to kind of, make them seem like they were doing something wrong and then at the end like that they felt entitled to winning like they clearly added the audio and even gave subtitles to Andrea saying oh they know they lost that right which like no. that that was a choice deliberately that they made to include in that episode to sway people from feeling one way or another um and i feel like given what actually happened during filming, they should have known better than than to kind of, you know, 
try and create that narrative. I mean, they had to actually like re-record her exit interview because the first one was so raucous and violent from the crowd booing and threatening that they had to redo it. And I think it's like, I actually get emotional thinking about it because I feel like production owes more to every single builder, including Andrea, than to allow that to happen. And she literally said, you know, there are reports that she said that she felt unsafe because there was, I think, I guess like one particular member of the audience who was like wanting to get physical with their threats. And that's un- unacceptable and, and, and just unfathomable. And, you know, I, I feel like television producers these days have to understand that everything they do has an effect on the fandom that follows the show, no matter what show it is. Um, and, and by portraying, you know, witch doctor a certain way and knowing that witch doctor is captained by a female builder, like it's going to create toxicity that will then be aimed at this builder in a way that is also unacceptable. But now they're online. There's no one to protect them. I can't even imagine the messages that witch doctor, you know, the Facebook page or Andrea have been having to field. And, and I would have expected better because, because there was no controversy because she didn't do anything wrong. So then to make it seem like they did is, is, is very upsetting to me. And Andrea who, and, and, you know, team witch doctor who have done so much, so much for the field of combat robotics, who have mentored countless children, who have, who have spent countless hours creating their own content. Like I'm obviously getting emotional, but it's like, they've done so much. And then to just hang them out to dry like that for what? Like for what? It, it it's actually very upsetting. Um, I here here's 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 the ultimate question, and this is this is probably something that merits a, a longer discussion. But you 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 raise the point. Production should have known better. Uh, well, here's a hypothesis: production did know better. But if you are a producer of a show on the Discovery Channel, right? Would you rather have a show that has a million fans that are in a controlled environment or a show that has two and a half million fans in a toxic environment? And I feel like this is really the crossroads that we're at with the sport and the show and the limitations of being on cable television uh, where, you know, people who put their time and their energy and their money on the line to create, you know, these uh, these these robots that come to uh, an event, a competition of people that are there in the same spirits, and you hang one of them out to dry like that that bad at the end of the season when they've worked so hard to build a brand around that kindness and that generosity that they offer the community, and then you create a false narrative right um that tells me that 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 sensationalized portrayal of the events and and the show you're looking for that to have this type of impact and maybe 
there's there's a very real chance that the production staff behind BattleBots is absolutely basking in the glory of these debates that are happening online because you know bad press is good press. People are talking about it. These conversations are happening. We're being memed. This is the type of moves that we need to make if we want more people to watch, but they don't realize the repercussions that happen when the builder community, you know, they're waking up to what's what's happening here and some of the um the most influential forces in that community are probably not going to deal with it anymore. And so uh, I think, I think that this is the crossroads moment. And I'm curious if anybody else thinks that production understood what they were getting into and chose to do it anyway, because they knew that there would be backlash. Um, I, I just want to say quickly, I mean, Lindsay, I agree with so much of what you've said. And like always, I feel like you are the kind of logical and emotional core of our show. And like, you just put things in a way that like, I really struggle to. So I mean, I 100% agree with you. And I am just as outraged. Um, You know, I, I think like, I think the challenge is that we are, we're pretty embedded in the community. We know these people as friends. Um, we, we, we are, you know, hanging out with the builders all the time. And for us, like, we know the truth about combat robotics, which is combat robotics is much closer to the great British Bake Off, you know, than it is to MMA. And like, there's like a show within the show for super fans to like really understand, you know, like, we see the after show that Mike and Andrea and Will Bales built around BattleBots. We see all of the educational content that they built for kids. We see like the book, you know, for kids. Um, we know that these are builders who love one another, respect one another, and they don't get into the kind of reality show shenanigans that any other group of reality show participants would have gotten into, you know, like if, if the builders were willing to do it, we could have a full on like very (laughs) contentious reality show format for this show. You know, people saying I hate Will Bales and I'm here to crush Will Bales. You know what I mean? And like going into their fights with like really, really great, you know, quotes like that, but the builders just aren't like that. So, I mean, I don't know. This is a good question for Aaron Catling, but it's really like, did they see this as like, oh, wow, this is the first spicy moment of the entire season. Let's blow this out. You know? Um, I mean, my, my feeling is that it's yes. I mean, like they want controversy because the show is not built for people like us. The show is built for the 1 million Ice Road Trucker mouth breathers out there who want to see robots fighting and killing each other. They want to see Cobalt versus Ghost Raptor, eight times uh, an episode for 14 weeks straight. They want to see people screaming in one another's faces like Daniel Freitas. Like, they love that. Like, that that is MMA. That is WWE. That is, you know, NASCAR and F1 and football and, you know, all of, like, the real, quote-unquote, real sports, you know? It's not us. <laughs> like, we are the great British bake-off for robots, you know? Um, and they just don't believe that is a viable model for this show. Like leading with that kind of wholesomeness. You, you know what I mean? I uh, I will 
inject just one thing into this conversation. Um, and that is, Luke, you do breathe through your mouth a whole lot. <laughs> That's fair and well said. Um, listen, so, okay, quickly, sausage... <laughs> Sausage gets made. All right. We have 10 minutes before we have to start recording with Aaron. So um, let us, let's put a pin in Minotaur and Witch Doctor. Um, Listen, if you disagree with us, um, text us, I guess, after you listen to this. And I would love to to disagree with you, uh, you know, offline. Come at me, bro. Yeah, come come at at me, math breathers. Um, Okay. Um, So that's it for this week's news. This is a very long news segment. Um, before we get into our interview with Aaron, I want to very quickly just go through our final round of snap decisions. Very interesting results. We asked um, people to send us who did you think was going to win the giant nut for season six. We had 147 people uh, put in their predictions. And the the most popular prediction by far, like one out of three people picked Sablaze followed by Minotaur and Hydra closely behind. Sables, Minotaur, and Hydra just dominated the, um, the, the predictions. And Tantrum was the least predicted bot out of all eight finalists. There were just five people who predicted that Tantrum would win. Those five people include... Giant pumpkin farmer slash copperhead team member Chad knew. I don't know. Maybe we put an asterisk next to that one. Chad probably already knew. Uh, so maybe it's really actually four. This week in Robot Combat hosts Jevin Woodrow, Kyle Brady, Michael Weiss, and Sumi Schick. So congratulations to the four slash five of you. Um, now, I did want to just very quickly pause here before we get into our final thoughts of the entire episode. But uh, we had more than 350 people uh, send in at least one prediction, you know, for the last uh, over the last 14 weeks. It was really great. I really love seeing all of your predictions and crunching all of the data. So if you sent us predictions this season, thank you so much for that. Really looking forward to uh, doing it again for season seven. All right, uh, Chris, Lindsay, Kyle, with just a couple minutes here. Any other thoughts on the episode itself? Hydro tantrum, tantrum win. You know. Uh, other other thoughts? Yes, I do. Uh, so first of all, Hydra Tantrum. Lots of controversy about that one as well. Uh, Jake is doing a lovely job portraying himself as the villain on social media. He's doing a great job trying to drum up support uh, for his position on that. But I read those rules and looked at that fight several times. And even though he got a heck of a lot of flips in and had he been flipping a bot that uh, perhaps was less sturdy or brick-like, he would have won with that strategy. He did not win with the strategy. He did not win against this particular bot. Um, It was a really good fight. It could have gone the other way, but it did not in this particular case. Um, So I wanted to address that real quickly. Awesome fights in this episode. Just like every episode this season, the fights keep getting better and better and better. And uh, there is a small bit of controversy from the final fight that I wanted to address. A lot of people said that that Witch Doctor Countout looked like it happened really fast. Um, But if you go read the rules, which I have because, you know, I'm a nerd. um, So they were knocked back by the, the doors. And if your bot is back by those doors and you cannot get your bot out of that area, they consider that unsafe, right? So they will count you out 
uh, right away if they see that your bot is not moving and you're over by those doors. So that is why that countout started sooner than normal countouts. Um, so, you know, in that particular case, good job, refs. You're getting there, guys. You're getting there. Chris, Lindsay, uh, very quick last thoughts on on the episode. We're going to be talking to Tantrum here uh, shortly, and we're going to obviously get into the whole thing. But uh, any, any other thoughts on the finale? R.I.P. Sawblaze. I thought it was their year, but they made a you know, fatal error against Witch Doctor. And you can't make a mistake against Michael Lately. He is too on top of you. So props to them for beating Sawblaze. Um, and I just want to say, I feel like, well, no, I'm, it's too theoretical, too down the wormhole. But like, I do think no matter how, if those, some of the controversies had gone the other way, I think Tantrum would still be your winner at the end of the day. Um, I think Tantrum earned their place right there at the top. They did incredible. Um, you know, hats off to them. Very, very proud of them. I'm. Can I just say how happy I am that despite being i guess a spinner a spinner bot which is what they would fall into it's still a very technologically different bot than all of the other ones out there Mm -hmm. and how freaking refreshing is it to see a bot that is different win the giant nut can we just take a second and acknowledge that it's amazing um and and uh yeah I and I I agree with you, Kyle, hundred percent. I I do I, like Hydra did extremely well in that match, but sometimes you can do extremely well and not win because the other bot does five percent better, and that is what happened in Tantrum versus Hydra. Um, at least that's how I see it, Chris. Yeah, Chris, uh, I'll give you the final thought, and then uh, take us into our our interview with Aaron. My final thought on Tantrum. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. After the break, our interview with Aaron, Ginger, and Alex, sponsored by MaxAmps. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at maxamps.com. This week on the podcast, we have three very special returning guests, Aaron Hill, Ginger Schmidt, and Alex Grant, captains of Blip and Tantrum, respectively. Aaron and his dense little puncher bot Tantrum made their BattleBots debut in 2018, winning a single match against Battle Royale with Cheese before famously getting one of its little metal fists violently ripped off by Tombstone. This past Thursday, Aaron and his team hoisted the giant net over their heads after going undefeated in the 2021 season. Separately, Aaron and his team fielded a brand new robot this season called Blip, taking the bot all the way to the round of eight before ultimately falling to Hydra. I'm really looking forward to looking back fondly on season six in the hour ahead. So welcome back to the show, Aaron, Ginger, and Alex. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us back. I'm so stoked about this. This is really, really great. Um, I We got a million and a half fan questions, and so we're going to get to those very quickly. But I would love to just ask you one question 
that I've been curious about since Thursday. And I guess, I don't know, maybe curious about since last season. Um, so you made your, you made your BattleBots debut in 2018. And, you know, like I, I kind of think of like robots as sitting somewhere on like a spectrum, you know, like there's Spike Force and Tombstone and Endgame, like at this one kind of hyper competitive spectrum, like one end of the spectrum. And then we have like interesting and fun and experimental bots like Deep Six, like Nelly the Ellie Bot, like Shark Copran, like Battle Royale, the Cheese and stuff. Like, I'm curious when you stepped onto the scene in 2018, did you think of yourselves as a bite force and end game and, and tombstone, you know, like, did you know that in four years you were going to be winning the giant net? Was that the goal when you started um, back, back in 2018? Uh, yeah. As far as my own personal history with robots and I met Alex, we've done some stuff in the past. Um, it's interesting to, well, you said those as the bookmarks. Uh, I would say those, those are people that have went for a much more optimized existing meta approaches so um i definitely came in wanting to be that level of competitive but with something totally new uh alex and i worked on in college on a nasa lunar mining competition robot we've won that event twice um i've done first robotic stuff for years and oftentimes the same thing as far as trying to come up with something new and creative and innovative in those spaces and at the same time be successful with it so we we hear that 2018 tantrum was a joke bot. Tantrum was a ro- tantrum 2018 was a robot that was not done. <laughs> that we then proceeded to try making the best TV we could with. <laughs> so it's it it handled tombstone hits pretty well. I would say we made the armor thinner after that experience. But uh, yeah, we definitely came in wanting to get competitive. We wanted to play. Just to sort of reiterate what Aaron said, I think. I personally have like a lot of respect for the sport and I know it's been around for a really long time. So I think the first time you try anything as ambitious, there's bound to be some iteration to be done, lessons learned. So I think that was fairly expected our first time around, but I know that I work with a team of really talented, really incredible engineers. So I always sort of had faith that we would be able to learn from those lessons and come back stronger every single year. And I think we've done that since season three. So while on the one hand, I don't think any of us at all expected it our first year, I think as the years go on, the pressure on ourselves definitely increased. And so um, it's just exciting to see it happen so soon for us. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, like, I, I think that there, there, there's a natural improvement between the seasons. Like you, you typically see robots get better. And then at some point you have to make a decision as a team. Like we are really serious about winning the giant nut and we have to study like the, the other robots. We have to really get deep into the physics of combat robotics. We've got to try a lot of different things. Like we have to just put in so much more work so that we can get there and it's cool to see that you've done that over the last four years. And like, this is really like a very cool glow up as a team, you know, like from, from, from the, you know, tombstone fight to like, literally no question in my mind that you could beat tombstone today. It's like incredible. Like it's really, really very cool. Thank you. Yeah. And this is maybe, sorry, go ahead, Alex. 
Oh, I was just going to say thanks, but then I guess adding to what you said earlier about it being like an iterative thing too, you know, our first year we came in with a really ambitious weapon uh, and a really ambitious drivetrain. And our second year we came in with a different weapon, less ambitious, but we still didn't get the drivetrain thing right. And so that's where it's it's interesting that we got distracted, I guess you could say, with interesting weapons um, until our third year where we got the, the drivetrain right. And it's, it's pretty cool to see that progression now in hindsight um, and now having a championship bot, you know, it's really exciting. Yeah. It's a little bit like a company in the sense where I think over the years, we've also grown our team and recruited people with really unique skill sets that have been able to contribute to that success as well. So we definitely owe it to all the people that have joined and put their really unique skill sets to, to use on both robots. Um, so I did have a question. I know you guys, you know, you came in with a very ambitious weapon that first time, this kind of leaf spring flipper idea. Um, I remember like reading the description of your bot the first year you were coming and thinking that was such a fascinating concept. Do you think that concept had like, could you make that work maybe at a different weight class? Maybe if you had more weight to play with, is that something that is at all viable for this sport or was it just a dead end idea that, that eventually led to other things? Uh, as far as the leaf spring flipper stuff in general, the biggest issue we had with that one was we couldn't get the power levels anywhere near where we wanted. Um, our our goal with blip is to hit the ceiling. Like that's that's where that bar is literally. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so <laughs> the the initial leaf spring flipper on tantrum one uh, was sized originally for a multibot for two of those, um, and then. We decided to just cut back the ambitiousness to one of those. And then that's, yeah, you still see where that turned out. Um, but the biggest thing there is like getting enough energy stored in a deformed piece of metal is really hard. Um, so that's why we started chasing down other flipper technology. Interesting. All right. So let's go into listener questions next. Uh, Luke, do you want to go ahead and start us off with listener questions? Yeah, I'm going to just throw out this one caveat. We have like... Oh, probably like 65 questions. <clears throat> so uh, let's just do kind of rapid fire uh, here. But if there's a question that really <laughs> speaks to you and you want to get into it, like feel free to do so. Um, but, uh, but yes. Okay, good. Um, all right. So we're going to start off with a very important question from noted giant pumpkin farmer and Copperhead team member Chad New, who asks probably the most important question of all. How big of a Vegas party did you all have after the win? Do you even remember what you did after winning the giant nut? Uh, we do not remember what we did after winning the giant nut for NDA purposes. Good, good. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, next questions uh, come from Francois Froll-Pelsier, um, who writes, uh, congratulations on this victory. We often hear that simple designs are advantageous because there are less things to break. You pretty much proved that wrong with one slash two marvelous designs. What are your thoughts about that idea? And uh, thank you for doing it. Um, and then also, are your design decisions made because you think they're the most competitive or more because they're just super cool? Uh, we did not prove that wrong at all. That is still the case. Uh, <laughs> simpler is more competitive and more reliable. Um, in our case, we just bashed our heads against the wall enough design-wise in order to get stuff to the point where it survives. Um, and then, yeah, we we very much want to bring new stuff to the sport. It's I, I'm I'm personally not interested in showing up with a four-wheel drive vertical spinner with nothing else going on. Like, I, that's not the fun part for me. Right, and we're putting on a cool show, and you know, 
like one of the coolest things is that you watch Tantrum and Blip fight and all their fights are going to be different from the rest of the field, right? You you can't really compare the playstyle to uh, other robots. So that's, uh, that's really fun, I think, for the show as well. Francois has one more question about Blip. Uh, he says that he watched your assembly video of Blip. Do you plan to make a disassembly video of Blip so we can see what's inside of it? At some point in time, uh, we're robot builders, not media presenters. and <laughs> So we've started doing a, a how-to, but it's just take, finding the bandwidth and the time to, to make it. Um, good. We've got a couple of good questions here from BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer. This one is directed at you, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, how proud of you are you of Alex and Ginger right now as they were not only rookie co-captains of Tantrum, but they also won the giant nut. How proud are you of these two? I'm proud of the entire team. Uh, Tantrum, like Tantrum wouldn't have would not have competed this year if Alex hadn't championed it through the entire offseason and retrofitting and stuff. And then the how how everything was handled at the event between the two of them in terms of stepping in front of a camera for the first time. I know what it was like for me. It's real rough. Uh, some people take to it faster than others. Ginger's an all star out of nowhere. Uh, so it's. <laughs> Yeah, we we went through two weeks with two robots with sixteen people in the pits, and it yeah can't be happier with the outcome. Awesome. Uh, we've got another question here from Alexander about Blip. Blip took the BattleBots fan base by surprise by making it all the way to the quarterfinals as an undefeated rookie bot. How did Blip do so well? So we covered a little bit earlier, like the learning curve that happens. And a, a lot of the biggest part of that learning curve for us was if you want to make an exciting fight and you also want to like win lots of fights, it's drive good, don't die. And if you notice, the thing that Blip shares with Tantrum is drivetrain and the armor technology is all very similar. So it's a different weapon in the middle. Um, as long as you're driving good, you can control the opponent, etc. So take the known happy part of the equation, put a different spin on it with a flipper. But that's, that's effectively what happened. Awesome. Drive good. Don't die. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Um, that is words to live by for sure. Um, all right. Uh, I'm not going to even bother asking if Tantrum and Blip are returning next season because I have a very good feeling that they will. So really, what upgrades do you have planned for Tantrum and Blip next season? Uh, you know, it's actually pretty funny. We were uh, discussing retiring Tantrum uh, prior to going to the season. We were going to have, uh, you know, one last hurrah. And then as we uh, made it through the rotator fight around that time, we're just like, damn it, we're going to have to deal with this thing for another year, aren't we? And then the uh, the giant nut win sealed the deal. So uh, as for upgrades, I think that uh, just like all the fans want, we also want there to be a more energy, more reliability in the weapon. Um, couldn't be happier with the self-rider, couldn't be happier with the driving. Um, some tweaks here and there, but really it's just about the weapon. And then the blip upgrades are pretty much how to drive it without doing wheelies all the time and more power. Okay, good. Um, knowing that Tantrum is going to enter next season as the new reigning champion, are you concerned at all about the target it will put on your team's back, knowing everyone wants to take out the champ? I think the main thing for us will be our strength of schedule. This season, actually, we didn't have any main event fights um, until the finals, which was pretty fun. Um, so we got to do the whole sit down interview, the whole fancy schmancy chairs and stuff. And so I think this year when we, or next year, whenever it happens, 
you know, presumably we'll have a main event and that probably means big competition. So yeah, I think the pressure will be on as well, obviously, even more so than it was last season. Um, one of my favorite things about Alexander, this is his last question. He always tries to break news. So he's, uh, he's asking here a little bit of news for the question. Uh, are we going to see tantrum and or blip in the second season of bounty hunters? If it's under NDA, just tell Alexander, you can't answer that question. Uh, NDA <laughs> party. So yeah. Yeah. NDA <laughs> technically not. Mm. Okay. All right. Good. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to a question here from Spencer Sahu. Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, what all went into making Blip's reveal video? It's one of the best robot review reveal videos of all time. I'm going to second this. I watched that video and I was so hyped and I've never been more hyped for like a robot reveal video ever because they're usually pretty dry. So like what went into producing that? All right. So uh, he doesn't hop in front of cameras and stuff very often, but I'm going to type a Brian Culver teammate. Uh, he's had CAD and design hands on every robot we've, we've made. Um, but he he's also a, a hardcore first, first robotics mentor and former student that um, it's very common in first robotics land to make reveal videos. And so he, I, I had actually done a decent job of maintaining an album of all photos and videos I had of Blip and during development, all through like the entire development phase. So he went after basically taking all of that and making a, a first robotic style or reveal video. And it came out awesome. We've got some talks of, well, he's got some ideas for doing one for Tantrum leading into season seven. That's pretty cool. Um, all right, this is going to make me sound lame, but it's really quite true. After I watched that video, I went and downloaded the song because uh, it's pretty awesome. So that's great. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a related question, actually, uh, from Matt Davenport, who writes, congratulations on Tantrums when the build video for Blip, all of those views, I'm a large percentage of them. Like I watch that every morning for a month just to get motivated for work. So thank you very much for that video. Uh, two questions about Blip. How did Blip get stuck on the upper deck back left wheel broke free of its hub and that was that was pretty much it um i couldn't see from the driver box what it was so i assumed the magnet had like landed on the side rail because blip also runs magnets like tantrum but still only in like the 60 to 70 pound category uh but in reality the back left wheel coming off was the crux of the problem there uh, good question here from Matt. Uh, what is the mysterious red goop that goes into Blip's flywheel cord slash spring mechanism? Uh, animal blood? No. <laughs> it's just a high pressure red grease, red tacky grease. Um, it, get, it needs to be tacky, otherwise it all gets flung out really fast. So I've actually got a box of blue grease we're going to try for try for next year just to make it look less weird. Nice. Good. Um, all right. Uh, got a question about magnets from Nick Sacco who writes great season, Aaron and team. Are you considering switching to on slash offable? That's a great word on slash offable electromagnets for season seven. So you can more easily deal with the problems that got blip hung up on the edge of the Ono plateau. Uh, I'll just answer. We've looked into all the different forms of on off magnets, whether electromagnet or otherwise, and the weight isn't there, so you have to try to work on the solution to those problems other ways. And, t and Tantrum had more magnet problems getting stuck on stuff than Blip did. 
moving on to a question from Eric Calhoun, uh, who writes, Blip is obviously very well armored. I don't know why we have so many questions about Blip. Um, I don't know. It's it's captured people's imagination. Uh, Eric asks, Blip is obviously very well armored, but I was surprised that its wheel broke against Hydra. Why do you think it broke? What steps will you take to fix this issue in the future? Wow, that's like... Sounds like a manager writing uh, in a letter, like, what steps are you going to take? Uh, you know, like, are, are there improvements that you can make to uh, to the wheels? You know, th- thoughts on that particular failure? Yeah, so in that case, um, if anybody's familiar with a thing called retaining compound, uh, there was a, a junction that was supposed to be a press fit with retaining compound that was not a press fit. It was just retaining compound. Um, so that broke free. Um, that's the same thing that happened in the Gigabyte fight for Tantrum as well. Um, they're running the, the same wheel tech between the two. Uh, that was actually the first thing I fixed immediately after the event. Uh, I believe in like a week and a half after the event, had a full new design done that does not have a press, not have Loctite, no welding. Everything's, everything's just better. So I'm not expecting to lose wheels in the future. Awesome. Cool. Uh, we have a question from my favorite like uh, fan, just because he's got an amazing name. Mason Runkle. He writes, uh, hi, Aaron, huge fan of Tantrum, even bigger fan of Blip. Super awesome to see the team grow so huge so quickly. Questions, number one, who came up with the Blip Blops? They deserve a raise. That was actually my brother, Kellen. Uh, I have three older brothers, a younger sister. Um, Kellen came up with that. Kellen Hill, if you ever listens to this, that's his idea. We just immediately made it happen, and he gets no money from it. <laughs> uh okay mason asks uh what are your thoughts on what is and isn't aggression in the battle box after such huge controversy in the tantrum hydra fight over aggression you know it's it's something that you can argue both sides and that ultimately i hope that in the future there is clarification right i mean they they evolve the rules every year 2019 rules are different than 20 21 and hopefully the 2022 rules have improvements made to them as well as uh you have edge cases like this i mean i I do think that the uh judging is better than it has been in a long time but that uh i think it is ambiguous right even as somebody like I, i think i'm too close to the issue to really give an honest opinion but with like with how much people are talking about it but that you know it's something that they should clarify 100 percent for next year uh i'm not close to this issue and i'll say that uh staying planted in one spot and just rotating like this not very aggressive okay all right i'm gonna take that to my grave all right i didn't see any controversy in that match at all um and listen if jake was on i uh, you would tell him the same thing i heard uh so i'm i moderate the, the battlebots facebook group i'll just go ahead and caveat with that uh, I saw the greatest analogy on there. Uh, they said, listen, Jake, if you walk into a yard and there's one dog in the middle of the yard that just turns towards you and barks at you the whole time, they just keep turning at you and barking at you, but they're staying in the same place. And then there's another dog in the yard and it's running back and forth on the fence, just back and forth, barking its head off at you, screaming and yelling and slamming its head into the fence. Which one's being more aggressive, Jake? Which one's being more aggressive? And uh, I think that just sums it up. It's cl- it's clearly it's clearly the dog with the pneumatic flipper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, tantrum is probably first and foremost identifies as a control bot. So I think as a control bot that likes to drive a lot and sort of maneuver other robots around the arena, um, it sort of puts us between like a rock and a hard place when approaching a match like that, right? Because we sort of knew that that was the strategy that Hydra was going to take. And so 
you know, if we just sit there and wait, I'm not really sure what, you know, what turns into battle bots then, right? If that's is incentivized. So I think it's a little bit of a tricky thing because we want to put on good TV. We want to be maneuverable. You know, we, we, we enjoy that. And we made that decision with Flip as well. So I think it's a tricky question. And I think clarifying the rules will help provide like the right incentive in terms of like moving the sport towards a direction that's exciting. That's my personal opinion, obviously. Got it. One last question from uh, Mason Runkle. This one's for you, Aaron. Aaron, are you at all regretting your decision to drive Blip instead of Tantrum this year? Tantrum drives way better. <laughs> Having a sideways flywheel in the robot, kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, but being able to be there when that button gets pushed and somebody else goes flying 12 plus feet in the air. Yeah, no, I, I had fun. It was, yeah, I can't complain about much. <laughs> That's good. Uh, we've got a question here from Rusty Captain Dave Eaton. Uh, when will Blip get a spatula? Uh, when there's another burger to face. <laughs> good. Okay, good. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Chris Horry, he was in the audience at the season finale screening in San Jose this past week, and he writes, first... Thanks for hosting the tournament finale screening. Aside from being there live, I think there's nothing like watching it with the cheering crowd in a theater. Awesome that you and so many builders were able to interact and on a personal level, get to uh, sign my modded Vex Bite Force. Uh, for Blip, when it faces off against the non-spinners, would you make a version with a lower catch point for the flipping arm? Interesting question, Chris. Well, the funny part of that one is... The action's the same. You gotta get you gotta get underneath, underneath them either way. So it's like get underneath them and drive three inches forward, or get underneath them at, with the tip. So it's yeah, we're we're fine leaving it where it's at as far as scooping opponents um, because we really want to keep that front end optimized for ground game. Even if they don't damage us, they still might have good ground game. So leaving the front end open for the optimal solution to get underneath them, we find that m more easy to do when it doesn't have the flipper arm attached to it. Um, this is going to be my final fan question before I turn off, uh, turn over to Kyle here. Uh, this also comes from Chris Horry. He writes on a recent episode of the Robocast, Hal Rucker posited that one of the big differences for the modern era compared to the old guards like Donald Hudson are teams like seems reasonable and, uh, describe the way first robotics is teaching people how to structure a team and develop an engineering philosophy. Other teams like switchback, I believe also come from this mold. Pete cited that they were probably the most prepared true rookie team this year. What are your thoughts on the role of first robotics competitions in your success as a team? I also want to note, we got a similar question about first robotics from Jake Merkis. I mean, I'll, I'll start with like, we would not know ginger. Uh, Aaron would not know me if it wasn't for first robotics. Right. And, uh, and so like it's a huge program that changed, I think, all of our lives. I think we're all still involved to some extent um, with various teams uh, across the country, um, and so it's it's really exciting to see uh, something that we were very passionate about and are very passionate about um, in first robotics um, turn into something that's been helpful for us now going into BattleBots. It's it's really cool. Um, I was hoping somebody else would expand on the team uh, dynamics. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can. Because 
you end up like first robotics is very much a challenge that is more than what one person can accomplish if they want to compete at a top level. So you have to work with people. And then that just gets ingrained as far as if we want to accomplish more, we need to have a well-functioning team to do that. So in our case, we've got people who cover a lot of bases. As Hal mentioned, he was pitted right next to us. He he lives 20 minutes away from me. Like We get lunch all the time. He's a great guy. Duck's in my garage right now after the finale showing. Um, but a lot of it's being able to, to divvy up uh, different work and responsibilities and sections to, to take on new, new and more projects is highly advantageous for more rapidly making up the learning curve. And you'll see a lot. There's a whole lot of X teams, too. Like the Endgame crew did Vex, uh, Bloodsport, Riptide, Retrograde. And yeah, there's a whole lot of the, I would say, younger to the sport teams are are former competitors from other pretty intense combat, well, competitive robotics venues. Yeah, that's um, such an interesting background to bring to combat robotics especially because you have to motivate a large number of people to do very difficult things in a small amount of time. And, you know, like also just kind of plan your, and you're, and you're not paying them. Right. And you're not yeah. paying them. Yes. Um, this is also yeah. kind of funny. Cause I did have, I did have in the box club in college, a guy joined and wanted to do robo games robot. And I said, I wanted to help, but I only done first at that point in time and got discounted. Because, oh, you don't know what you're doing. Because he did BattleBots IQ. You don't know what you're doing because it's FRC stuff. And I'm just like, just want to find him now and just be like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's really funny. Um, All right. So, Aaron, uh, we're going to ask you a question from Cameron Hutton. These next couple of questions are going to come from him. Uh, So he asks, what's the cord inside of Blip made from? And a kind of close related question to that, can Blip flip higher than what we saw this past season? Yeah, so the cord is actually Dyneema, which is often used as high performance like sailboat rope. Um, it's often marketed as a, like stronger than steel, but floats on water. It's funnily enough, like you guys have talked about UHMW a whole lot for small robots. Um, it's string form UHMW, effectively. It, it's, it's real weird. And the fact that it's as strong as it is, is kind of kind of ridiculous. Um, and then, yes, there's more in the tank. Uh, we got to a certain bar at home and then said, stop touching that, finish the rest of the robot, <laughs> and then finish, finish the rest of the robot and work <laughs> on stuff. So um, one of the focuses this offseason is definitely flip higher. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Ginger, this next question I think is for you. Um, so, Ginger, if you had to make a smaller version of either Tantrum or Blip to take to other tournaments, uh, which one would you go for? Would you go for a tiny little, like a 30-pound a, a tantrum or a 30-pound blip? I think I would go for a 30-pound tantrum just because it's near and dear to me. Um, I actually was, I live in Cambridge right now, so sometimes I hang out with Jameson and Aaron um, from Team Sawblaze, and they go to Norwalk all the time. Mm-hmm. And so they've been joking that I need to make a beetle, make a beetle. Um, and something I was thinking about, I am not making any commitments here. I just want that on the record. But um, during our <laughs> rotator fight, when we out of the arena then, we actually, uh, the chain broke off. And so the punch was just free floating and it was just like momentum and, you know, energy that delivered that punch. So I was thinking it could be fun to just do like, as my first beetle to do like a simple spinner, but put that vertical spinner in a slot and just let it 
float and then see what happens. Maybe have like some play with like springs or something to keep it forward a little bit, but also let it be able to fly back. So yeah, I think I would do something like that probably. I think it would be fun. That is the energy that that is the energy we love at Norwalk too, is when people are like, I don't know, this is going to be real weird. We're just going to throw it in there and find out what happens. It's going to be great. So yes, if you find the uh, the motivation and the energy to build that, we would love to have you. That would be awesome. Yeah, maybe I should finish my qualifying exams first and then I'll have time. Yeah, let's go ahead and prioritize those qualifying exams. <laughs> Uh, all right. And then this one I'll ask for you, Alex. Uh, what is your favorite flipper of all time? My favorite flipper of all time? Uh, that is a tough one. I, I'm obviously, you know, I have my heart and soul, blood and tears in, in blip, right? But I feel like that's cheating. Um, and so, like, having participated, you know, with and fought against... Uh, I do think it is Hydra based on the technology involved, right? Like it's it it did really push yeah. the bar up from what was just a optimization problem prior to that, right? With uh, Bronco who was just optimizing the CO2 or gas uh, systems, and so coming up with the hydraulic system was really cool. And so we didn't want to just copy that; we didn't just want to optimize Hydra and uh, be Hydra Bros. We wanted to come up with our own way of doing it. So, uh, yeah, I'll say that. I like it. I like it. Um, so our next couple of questions come from it comes from Thomas Lum. Thomas says, "So great to see your whole team celebrating, and a really incredible story for how far you folks came in such a short time." Um, it's true. I feel like uh, you know, after all of this current insanity goes away, there will be many a meme made of uh, of Alex and Ginger's faces uh, at that announcement when you guys uh, were the winners. That was that was awesome. Um, but at any rate, he asks. Uh, we've seen blip, how blip winds up, but does it unwind or on its own? Or is there a mechanism for that other than just flipping it? Uh, so the actual retract is, there's a s small set of internal gas springs, which are just like the gas springs in the hatch of your car. Um, but there's, there's two mm -hmm. really small ones of those that are pretty high force that push the flipper back down. So when the, and we fire through them, so it's fire, it goes up and then the springs push it back down. And then when you push back down, that just pulls the bundle and it unwinds. So if you see it going bounce, 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 that's it. Literally unwinding, rewinding, unwinding, rewinding at the bottom of the stroke oh. and just dissipating energy. Interesting. Interesting. Um, he also asks, and I think this is just for him. Uh, can you guys post more pictures of blip and tantrum for those of us who like building ant and beetle weight versions? Uh, we've got an awesome uh, photographer who was with us the entire two weeks and has taken a whole bunch of other photos, trying to figure out the best place to actually put those as far as sharing link versus just like dumping a bajillion photos yeah. on Instagram. So it's on the to-do list. Um, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so this is a question from Heather Stringfellow. She writes, congrats on an amazing season. Absolutely fell in love with Blip after the first fight. Uh, my question is, is there a benefit to making bots that are smaller than their competitors, um, but just as powerful? And how do you pack that much power into such small packages? Uh, yeah, there's a huge advantage. We were just running into that with this uh, new version of Tantrum uh, that we're designing now where it got an inch bigger. Right, you, not much, but an inch bigger added enough weight that we would have been overweight to uh, build the robot that we want with the armor level that we want. Mm. And so we had to go through 
and customize even more parts than we had anticipated initially to be able to shrink it back down that one inch. Um, but but when you make a compact robot, right, the, the design intent right from the start was to build compact robots that are really well armored and uh, make sure that you don't die. It's just our first two years. We had a lot of internal troubles, um, you know, whether it was gearboxes and the drivetrain um, or electronics that we had to futz with. But after we got those nailed out, um, you see the product of that in that tantrum and blip are nearly impossible to kill. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, actually, related question from Bloodsport team member Seth Schaefer. Um, he says, "Congrats! First of all, when will we see? When will we get to see Moonshot fight? I don't know what he's referring to there. Hopefully, you guys do. Uh, but his next question is also, what makes Blip and Tantrum different?" from an armor perspective. So whoever whoever can answer the Moonshot question, please go ahead. Yeah, Moonshot was initially like a working name for Blip before we decided, hey, uh, we're a team building robots and would like to figure out how to have them have some... We want people to look at our robots and know that they're related. Yeah. In terms of just creating some level of name for Seams Reasonable Robotics. Um, and then Moonshot doesn't really fit too well as a sibling to Tantrum. And uh, Blip is a cartoon character. Like we basically end up as cartoon character bright color robots with faces, and we we can go a lot of directions with that one. So yeah, and then yeah, I'll let yeah Ginger can handle armor questions. Yeah, I think uh, going back to the size robot thing, um, density really is the key constraint. So in order to have like very thick armor and to have um, a lot of protective parts, we sort of inherently have to decrease the volume of everything in order to fit within the weight limit. And so for us, we have 5 sixteenths thick AR 400 armor around most of the robot. And the key with the armor mounting is that you have to send that energy somewhere. Like when a robot, when you get a huge hit from like, say, Witch Doctor, that energy will sort of travel through wherever they make contact and basically like an earthquake shatter components within the robot. And so to absorb and isolate some of that, we have like rubber wubs as we refer to them and other things that sort of help absorb some of it. Um, it's also easier to mount. We've done a lot of work on sort of how we want to install those wubs and make it so that we can take them on and off. I will say when Tantrum got some large hits this season, it was not so easy to take on and off. But Blip, we've come up with some really good ideas, I think, after our sort of third ish iteration of this and so that's another thing we'll be doing to tantrum this year is taking those sort of armor mounting strategies and so it's easier to work on and stuff um and we also have some different configurations so i think if we want shoulders we go down to quarter inch thick on the armor just um to have that weight it was if you were to catch somebody swearing in the tantrum side of the pit it would likely be putting on armor yeah, if there's yeah, trying to get the wubs off. Mm -hmm. If you hear like hammering and knocking and you see straps all over the place, people are like leaning over all the way to the side and there's like eight people. It's definitely we're trying to fit the armor on, but it's been, you know, bent to heck and is not the holes do not align anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So next question comes from Anthony Barango. Great name. Did you genuinely think Tantrum beat Hydra in that moment live at the event? And I'm not being a jerk. I just also want to add, uh, Blip worked. Such a great idea, and I'm glad you guys made it a, a reality. Great run this year for Team Seems Reasonable. 
Um, so yeah, in that moment, you know, you and Ginger are standing there, you're waiting. Did you guys think you beat them at that moment? Uh, I'll say no on my behalf. I mean, they show me in the, uh, post fight right afterwards. That was literally seconds. You know, there wasn't movie magic or anything. That was the seconds as the match dwindled down. I was, you know, me kind of, uh, lamenting, I guess. <laughs> um, and thinking that we did lose, I wouldn't have been surprised if they said it was, you know, split or unanimous for Hydra. Um, I didn't think it was a blowout, right? Uh, just based on damage um, and how how the match aggression progressed. Um, but that uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was for Hydra. What about you, Ginger? I think my answer is pretty much the same. I think seeing the robot you've been sort of working on in the pits fly through the air is unnerving. That probably did not help our confidence. But um, when it was announced as a split decision, I think that was pretty exciting because Aaron mentioned this as well um, on our Facebook page. It's like, oh my gosh, like we have a chance. We have no idea how it's going to go. I think I don't want to be controversial, but I will say looking at it afterwards, I do understand where the judges are coming from. I will say that. I don't know what I would have done if I were in the judge's position, position, like seeing what they saw from their perspective. I have no idea. Right. So I don't know if I would, I'm not confident enough to say I would award it either way. I'm just saying like, I do understand where they're coming from is all. And it was, it was split, right? Like that's the thing. People are like, you know, Oh, it's definitely this way. It's definitely that way. I think just look at the judge's scorecards. I mean, even they couldn't agree. Right. So I think really um, it's, it's, it's quite nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest controversial thing on this is just like it's a match where the outcome didn't match the gut feeling. Like I, I was watching it on monitor backstage and just went, all right, tantrums out. Like, damn, Hydra played a great like, Yeah. But as soon as I said split decision, it's like, yep, exactly as I put up in post. It's like, oh, yeah, scorecards exist. Huh. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. It's. Yeah, it was close enough that anybody was, oh, they were robbed. It's like, mm, mm, nah, real, real close. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it was a very close fight. And I agree with the judge's decision, especially after looking at those scorecards. I thought they made the right call. Um, and yeah, it was very split for, I think, good reason. But yeah, I, I think ultimately the right decision was met. Judges did a great job this year all the way around. I was very impressed with their work. And uh, the new Matrix seems to be working. It's it's heading in the right direction anyway, so I think that's good. Um, all right, so our next question comes from Stephen Eagert. Um, Stephen asks, after watching this season, were there any of Tantrum's fight that made you go, oh man, I wished I'd driven, we could have driven for that one. Um, were there any fights where you were like, you know what, I think it's a good thing. Dylan was the one driving and not me. Um, like, Did that come up at all during during those fights for you, Aaron? Uh, no, I've, I've, I've known Dylan for a long time. We grew up like two minutes away from each other in Illinois and he's been driving robots, driving go-karts and stuff. And he's fine. Like, uh, I'm hoping if there's any like internal saw, like storyline beef that Aaron decides to have teams have with Sawblaze that he gets to deal with that. But (laughs) I'm hoping it follows tantrum, not me, (laughs) but no, Dylan, Dylan, kicked ass this year yeah he did really really well for sure um and got better as the season went on too which was pretty impressive right Um, i I think it's really funny when you're watching the uh gigabyte dive bomb 
right? You know, the, that, that moment. <laughs> yes. And then you watch our next fight against Rotator. When Rotator's up on the shelf, you see Tantrum just immediately back away. So you know, <laughs> at least we learn from our mistakes. Um, so Steven has one more question. He says, in 2019, you did an interview with Vex, uh, where one of your teammates told a story about a group of BattleBots fans approaching the Witch Doctor team to fanboy on them. Um, then in the middle of this, the team said, by the way, uh, this is Jason from Team Tantrum, and the fans just brushed him off quickly to talk to Witch Doctor guys some more. So I'm curious, uh, what do you, what would you have to say to those fans now? Uh, Jason's probably still fanboying over Witch Doctor at this point in time. <laughs> and and at, 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 at the time and even now i wouldn't blame them like which doctor is an awesome team to fanboy over um i've, I've got pictures from Absolutely. season two battle bots where we're at for a couple of days we're not competing but yeah, of tantrum oh sorry of jason in the witch doctor hat and jacket but <laughs> so this year in the finals match he's just having his head explode <laughs> that is tantrum that's tantrum versus witch doctor. <laughs> yeah absolutely um, all right, our next question comes from Mario Cast. Um, so this is an interesting one, the way that he phrases it. I might, I might kind of like rephrase it after I read this. Aaron, if Tantrum had uh, would have faced Minotaur, then what advice would you have given your new team, team captain strategy-wise, knowing a little bit more about the dynamic of your team? Uh, so if you guys had to face Minotaur, what changes would you have made strategy-wise? Because it seems like you guys are a bit more collaborative than uh, than Aaron coming in to give you advice all the time. So, a lot of us, there's unsolicited advice all over the place in the team. It's a <laughs> slight slight stress point, but also <laughs> makes us way better for it, I think. Um, in, in this case, Minotaur is a hard one to kill, so it's control the entire time and take advantage of that gyro. Um, consistency, consistency, yeah. consistency, right? Yeah, makes sense. Which, by the way, I only said once on TV. I think Pete said it three times for me. Um, but yeah, I think we would have done the same strategy as we normally do, right? Like drive, avoid weapon, um, be careful, be control first, <laughs> protect ourselves, and then get them into a corner, hopefully, and then go from there. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, so our next question comes from Indigo Twig. Um, I kind of already know the answer to this one, but we'll go ahead and ask. Which bot do you think is harder to drive, Blip or Tantrum? 1,000% Blip. Tantrum's weapon can be at full tilt and then turn full speed and barely lift a wheel off the ground, gyro-wise. Yeah, and that is not the case with Blip. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, do you ever ride your bots? Slash, what other random stuff do you do with them other than fight with them? I have sat on... Most tantrums and driven around slowly and blip. Uh, yeah. Um, aside from that, just bring them out for testing and practice. No pool noodle jousting in the shop or anything like that? Nope. I like my legs intact. <laughs> yeah, it seems reasonable. Um, hey, I said it. I said the words. Um, all right. <laughs> we'll move on to a question from Peter Stubbs. Uh, he says, great win, guys. Um, looking at the two team bots, uh, there seem to be primary weapons aside, definitely definite similarities between the two bots design-wise. Um, I, I mean, Blip seems to have much more in common with Tantrum than, say, Hydra or Bronco. Is there a basic design approach that you and your team members apply to each bot? Are there shared components between these two bots? That's an interesting question. 
Yeah, one interesting thing is, and I think this is part of what enabled us to show up with Blip and have it do as well as it did, is we were able to focus on just the weapon. We built up a small one and then a big one. The big one did the thing, and we were able to take that and wrap known entity around it. So we're able to focus all the effort on on the, the one unknown of does this weapon work and then take a whole bunch of things we know and put them around it. So Blip runs the same drive motors, the same drive gearboxes, the same axles, the same wheels, um, the same speed controllers as, as Tantrum. So the whole lot of things that we just knew were good. And being able to have that to lean on meant we weren't doing a, a full robot dev from zero. And that was real important towards making it actually work. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, so... This is a very random series of questions from Dale Bruce, who is the co-host of the Shuntcast uh, and friend of the pod. So he says, as a general idea, which one interests you more, putting a tantrum-like puncher on Blip's flipper or putting a flick flipping mechanism on tantrum's spinny area? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> they, the, at one point, the robots were like looking to, like we were looking at trying to make those interchangeable. That answers the question, but that we decided not to do that because you used a <laughs> design restriction. So, yes, I would definitely use a different name. <laughs> <laughs> he finishes by saying, and also looking forward to you somehow pulling off whichever one you say and winning another nut with blint bliptrum or tantrip. <laughs> Thanks. We would definitely no, no, use. no, no, uh, blip trim. It's going all the way. Okay. <laughs> it would be at the top of my bracket. That's for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So if a fight were to happen between tantrum and blip, who would win? This is Stuart hunt asking. And I think a lot of people have asked similar questions, uh, on the thread. So yeah. Who do you guys think would win? A tantrum, unequivocally. There's no debate. Definitely. No question. Tantrum. Probably the one with the spinny thing. <laughs> oh, no, you're not supposed to say that, Because <laughs> that, that, one, that one turns into two indestructible robots, but one of them has the ability to damage the other. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, we already learned tantrum doesn't really get hurt by flipping, so that makes sense. <laughs> Um, all right, so Voxel Captain Michael Shore has one simple question. When Norwalk? And we've already heard from Ginger when Norwalk is, when she gets the time to focus on it, when she's done with her uh, done with her studying. But uh, what about the rest of you guys? When's it happening? Uh, I've currently just got a hotel reserved for May. So depends if I finish a robot by then. Yes. <laughs> Big robot. Big robots are needy. Big robots are needy. Three pound robots are uh, on the back burner always, um, unless you're Jameson Go and he just front burners all the robots, which makes no sense. Um, so yeah, I get that. What about you, Alex? You gonna you gonna build your beetle? You gonna finish your beetle? Uh, yes, at some point, unknown when. Uh, no, you know, I I actually have CAD done for a full thing, and I have about all the parts, and then typical fashion, it's, you know, project priorities slash interests have taken over and so i have uh you know tantrum stuff to work on uh you know again we were supposed to retire tantrum so i'd have time for my beetles yeah so. didn't work out 
had to go and win a nut. Had to go and win a nut. The literal worst first world problem you can possibly have. I'm just saying, if you guys combined your effort on a 12 pounder, um, you'd have a really good chance. You know, the 12 pound division isn't as stacked as some of the other ones. You could work together, build something, build something nice, and your biggest competition would just be uh, Lucy Dew and Hot Leaf Juice. I was gonna say. Yeah, hot leaf juice probably. Yeah, uh, listen, one really amazing robot doesn't mean stacked. I'm just saying like that's that's, you know, you just have one opponent to focus on. You'll be great. And oh, if uh, 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 waterproof sealant ever decides to make its return to the 12 pound division, then you might have some issues there. But uh, that's still up for debate. Oh, we cover that one. That was that was a fluke. Uh, Calling uh, it now. I, I I vehemently disagree, but for the uh, for the interest of this interview not becoming hostile, we will move on. Uh, <laughs> so, Copperhead Captain Luke Quintal asks: Aaron was on Jameson Go's team for Norwalk in the finals. How do I get Aaron to join my team for the finals next year? Well, I just decided I wanted to go to hang out, and then Jameson's like, "Oh, we'll put we'll put you and Ginger on the Sawblaze. Oh, sorry, on the Megatron team, just so you can get wristbands." But I don't think it'd be a problem. Like when I showed up, very much wouldn't have been a problem. Uh, but I, it was very relaxing and fun for me because someone else was handling all the crap I usually have to do. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, just tell me what to do. And it was interesting. It was funny getting Jameson to get more comfortable with just like pointing at something and making it happen. Uh, <laughs> as far as you're on vacation, I'm like, yeah, and I like working on robots. Yeah, this is vacation, exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I had a I had a blast helping out Jameson. Do it again in a heartbeat. That'd be that was so so much fun. Um, so he has a a following question. Um, and then you guys do kind of keep adding members and and specialties to your team. What skills do some of your team members specialize in to contribute to the team success? So we've got um a lot of, <laughs> I think one one of our teammates Jason put it well of like this is the there's the issue of too many sh- cooks in the kitchen, <laughs> but I'd say we've got a fair amount of chefs in the kitchen. <laughs> Um, so a lot of stuff is able to get beat to death until the best thing comes out of it from a design perspective. But we're also able to do some fun electronic stuff because Brian Silverman, um, many other BattleBots teams probably know him know him as our Vesk guy because there's photos of him helping Glitch, there's photos of him helping Copperhead, there's photos of him helping Duck. I was just like Vesk Whisperer. Um, some of the things that happened there were... And basically, if you show passion in a direction it opens up things for what the team can do like the team looks a lot better this year uniform wise uh because a new new addition to the team katie wyden decided to take off and make jerseys instead of default gray t-shirts with a logo on the front like yeah we're, we we stepped up a lot of things across the board and like a lot of things in blip wouldn't have happened without without some of the custom electrical fun work and then yeah we build out of Sean Doherty's garage and we're always kidding that out more and getting more tools there. And yeah, just keep expanding the capability set of the team. I love that. I love that. All right. So our next question comes from Jesse Mullen. Um, Jesse asks if, and when production gives you the inevitable rematches against tombstone and Endgame, how do you think you'll fare this time? And what improvements to tantrum since then will be responsible for that change in outcome? NDA. Fair enough. I was not expecting that answer. All right. Uh, not breaking news on this podcast then. Fair enough. Okay. Um, 
So next question is, what's the first thing you're going to do with your new Hexbug, Tantrum, and Blip toys? I mean, unbox them and have an unboxing video, clearly. That's the first thing. But, but uh, play with, I don't know, what kind of question is that? You play with your toys and you put them on the shelf and you have fun. And you take a picture of them on top of the bigger robot and then you make memes like, don't ever talk to my son again and stuff like that. That's These are what you do. Um. <laughs> uh, all right so blips turnkey is the single most merchable item in all battle bots when are turnkey stickers turnkey keychains and turnkey plush toys etc coming we have robots that we're building right now <laughs> so yes we're trying to do it we're trying to get uh uh you know after dave eaton's uh rusty kickstarter happens I'm um, hoping we can uh, go ahead and do our, our own either Kickstarter or uh, production run for the the store on either a plush or uh, per one of the Robocasts fan, uh, an invertible uh, plush, right? So it's a tantrum emblem. Um, but we're looking into that. Uh, I didn't want to step on Dave's toes. Go support Dave. Go get a rusty plush just like I know I will. Um, and afterwards, look at, you know, look out for something that we got. Uh but it's it's in the works, just no promises yet. I love that. Um, all right. So speaking of rematches, my girlfriend doesn't like robots host Matt Hedger asks, would you fight Battle Royale with cheese again, or would you dare hurt that poor defenseless cheeseburger? I think I think we would fight Battle Royale with cheese again, but just go full meme mode. Right? You know, just uh be the joke bot that, you know, everyone thinks we once were. So <laughs> Get the flamethrowers on. You'll get some charbroiled uh, smash burger going. Yes. The biggest spatula you could possibly come up with. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. So our next question comes from friend of the pod, Lindsay Eurico. Uh, Aaron, first and foremost, congrats on both Tantrum and Blitz. Amazing season. I have some weird questions for you. First, what do you think Blip and Tantrum talk about when you guys aren't around? Well, currently, Tantrum's in my garage and Blip's in Sean's garage, so they're, they're spending some time apart. Uh, <laughs> they're robots, so yeah. Um, I think a lot of the characters people have drawn are pretty adorable and pretty accurate, sort of Tantrum being like the broody older brother, and then maybe Blip being like the sassy, energetic little sister is sort of how I picture it. I mean, other people came up with it, truly, but... Um, I loved them, and I thought they were pretty on point. <laughs> um, I love that. All right, so we're gonna. Uh, so Lindsay finishes by saying, "Thank you very much for signing my book at Norwalk in December. Fantastic season, and I'm glad I got to meet you in person. Um, it was really cool having you at Norwalk in December and and uh, meeting you in person, Aaron. I enjoyed it too. Um, all right, so our next question comes from Curtis Honeycutt. He says, currently, which eyeless BattleBot would benefit from a cool set of eyes for Season 7? I'm just going to say Bite Force. I think it'd be funny if Bite Force came back with eyes. With eyes? With yes. eyes. Yes! Right. I love that's, that and idea. And that's the only change. The exact same Bite Force from before. <laughs> just slap some eyes on there and uh, send, her, send her off. Yeah, I would. I like that a lot. That uh, if it was like uh, twenty nineteen Bite Force, where it just came back and it didn't even repaint the weapon, it was just like, uh, we're here. We didn't really change anything at all from last year. We just want to hang out. But then they got like some awesome uh, laser cut eyes and just stuck them on the front of the robot. I'd be totally into that. 
Um, all right. So interesting hypothetical question from Logan James, who writes, congrats on having two of the most personality-filled robots in the field. Um, if you had the means to make another robot with the same sort of drive base, what type of weapon would you want? Also, what color and emotion would it portray? So, like, yeah, we've we've teased a few things. Uh, next one in my head's a multibot, and haven't picked colors for that one, but it would definitely be the very very annoying twins, like the the two the two like four year olds yes. running around at the family party just causing chaos. Like, I'd be going that direction. That's where I'm leaning. I love that plan. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll end this interview with a related hypothetical question from Richard Sum. Uh, what are the chances that Alex and Ginger decide to split off and form their own team, and you split off and form another team, sort of like BattleBot-style Cell Division? Four seems reasonable affiliated teams. Does this seem reasonable? If that were to happen, what crazy designs um, that through your team's incredible engineering work uh, would you pursue? It, that's a funny phrased question. Um, like what the reason both robots work is because the entire team has input and works on both robots. Exactly. In, the, in this case, so if you it's the show doesn't like saying team names. <laughs> as far as they're just like, oh, you left. That's his old robot. I'm like I still were involved with that one. Alex made all the flipper and a lot of other parts for that one like being being able to draw on everybody's strong suits and combine them across robots when applicable is i think the biggest enabling thing here so and we, yeah yeah that is the that is a weird thing about production is they like i know um talking to matt and jason earlier in the season two they were like yeah they didn't want us to go out in each other's team shirts and like help out each other's teams but we just did it anyway um, like they think that it's just too confusing for, for fans to see two different people working on two different robots or something like give it, give us a little bit of credit. We're not all, uh, what do you say, Luke ice road trucker mouth breathers? Is that, is that what you like to say? Yeah. The fans are idiots. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> um, one thing that I did want to leave you guys with, I was talking uh, with the bot whisperer, him, the bot whisperer himself, Pete Abramson, earlier today, and uh, told him that I was interviewing you guys, and he said, um, and I quote, "It's a really cool family that Aaron put together over there. It's just a really great group of people. I hope you enjoy talking to them, and uh, I think that really encapsulates your team spirit a lot." Um, so thank you guys so much for talking with us, Aaron, Ginger, and Alex. Uh, we can't wait to see you guys back in the battle box again soon. And congratulations on the giant nut. Like that is the coolest thing in the entire world. We're so proud of you guys. And I can't wait to see what you guys bring next year. I'm, I'm super pumped. Thank you so much for having us on. It was fun to chat with y'all. Yeah. Yeah. It was really exciting. Uh, and, and it really funny to have you on, uh, have us on as the first, uh, interview of the year and then not last. So. <laughs> um now that you guys always have the winner on first you should definitely have us on first again next year to keep the, yeah. the momentum <laughs> i listen we interview so many builders that like we just inevitably get weird like scheduling sometimes like they're yeah it's I, I I looked and I was like, oh my god! I had them on like two weeks after they won the giant nut. Like, that's insanity. 
I thought you knew. I thought you knew. I actually thought that you guys all no. knew because I saw you at the film, yeah. Luke. I thought you knew that we had won, and that's why I asked at the beginning, like, oh, how do you guys, you know, what if I say something that's spoilery, right? So no. after the fact, you know, as the season progressed, <laughs> you know, realizing that you guys didn't actually no. know was just like, oh, dang, good thing I didn't, good thing I didn't just spoil the whole season no. for these guys. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. We hate spoilers. For anybody else that listens to our show, if you come on and try to spoil things for us, we will actually be upset with you. Don't tell us. We don't want to know. <laughs> My, all right. All right. In in my defense, A, I know nothing ever. Okay. And B, like I came away from BattleBots and oh my God, this is going to sound terrible, but like I was so in love with Blip. Like Blip was such a cool machine. When I saw it, I was so impressed. And I was like, we have to have Blip on. I'm assuming Blip's going to go super deep. I can't like interview Blip twice in a season. So we're going to hold off. We're going to wait until Blip gets eliminated. Not saying Tantrum wasn't going to go super deep, but I'm just saying we we're going to wait until Blip got eliminated. And then we were going to have, you know, Aaron on to talk about Blip. And I was thinking next best thing, Tantrum, like let's maybe we could ask a couple of Blip questions in there because I was just super impressed with the robot. Yeah, and Alex, and Alex next, next I, best thing. and um i'm so embarrassed because it's like um wow uh you guys ended up winning the giant nut and um we had you on in the off season which is it's literally i'm turning red right now um but yeah i don't know i'm so glad that we were able to bookend it you know (laughs) so uh good good awesome great (laughs) yeah thanks a ton for having us <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you all soon. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Australia where researchers have developed a robotic nose that's capable of distinguishing between different types of alcohol. The robot, aptly named Nose, uh, which is N-O-S dot E, recently underwent a test where it was given a selection of whiskeys to smell. It was able to distinguish region with 100% accuracy, brand name with 96% accuracy, and style with 92% accuracy. The researchers believe robots could one day replace professional sommeliers. Um, this is pretty impressive. Chris and I, when we were in Scotland a couple of years ago, went on a whiskey tour and we tried and smelled and tasted a whole bunch of whiskeys. And my palate is just not very refined and my uh, my sense of smell is even worse. So to be able to imagine something can do this with near near 100% accuracy is pretty crazy to me. Although I don't think the people of Scotland will ever accept a robot instead of a, a whiskey connoisseur. I just don't see that happening. They have a lot of pride in their in their scotch. Why do noses run but feet smell? <laughs> oh my god, why Chris? I don't know. I'm just asking a question here. Yeah, it's it's a legitimate like uh like life quandary <laughs> question. Like why do we uh why do we walk on on driveways and, and drive on walkways and, and all that nonsense, right? Do you drive on walkways, Kyle? You should you should never drive <laughs> on a walkway. Was allowed to drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
All right, Chris, take us home. Well, that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode and Nelly the Elliebot Captain Sarah Mollian for providing our new amazing outro music. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. Stay tuned. we got another Norwalk Havoc coming up this month. Uh, we'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Leave the people on the internet alone. There once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teeth. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds all go, my scaly girl go. Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come a metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her teeth